Welcome to the Arsenal Vision post-match podcast. It is my great pleasure to introduce you to what will inevitably be the highest rated podcast in the history of this Arsenal Vision post-match podcast, because for once, we're not going to talk about the boring stuff. We're not going to talk about performances or results or tactics or squads or lineups or any of the stuff that has clouded the important issues in football. We are going to get to the core of the matter. We are going to talk transfers. This is the Arsenal Vision Transfer Special. My name is Elliot Smith. You can block me on Twitter, Yankee Gunner. And I am joined by a full crew, a full boat. Quite unlike the Arsenal squad, it is full of all the talent that is needed to get us over the line. And we will start with Tim, just back from a 17-week holiday in Brazil. You can find him on Twitter at Stilberto. Hello, Tim. Hello there. Hello there, indeed. And Paul, calling in, presumably from a Walgreens or Walmart or Wall parking lot of some kind, uh, with his pants around his ankles, but ready to talk transfers. You can find him on Twitter at Posn in My Pants. Hello, Paz. Woo! And the man with the voice that can make a Wolverine purr, the man who is going to tell you why we do need this player and don't need that player, and then tell you about their first touch and their second touch, and in fact, the little herd of third touch. Clive is here. You can find him on Twitter at ClivePFC. Hello, Clive. Hello, hello. Hello, indeed, my smooth-talking friend. Okay, let's dive right into it. We are going to talk transfers. We're going to talk ingoing, uh, in- incoming, so far so good, and outgoing. We're going to do both. Um, so I guess... The first thing we should start with is the the Mbappe rumor. Um, obviously, Arsene has been chasing a striker for a long time. Um, I don't want to necessarily get into whether you think it'll happen, although you can certainly give me your feeling on whether you think it can happen. But where I want to start, Tim, is do you think spending north of 100 million pounds on Mbappe is the right move for this club at this point? That's a, that's a really good question. Um, I don't know, to be honest, because on, on one hand, right, Arsene has been going for this like A-grade striker for so, so long now. And I, I can, I do kind of, you know, I do kind of get it if, it is, if he's at his wits end um, with it. And he just thinks, look, there's this 18-year-old kid who obviously he has a lot of faith in. Um, and, you know, and maybe it's one of those things, you know, we've been saying this for the last six or seven years. Every time he comes near the end of a contract, everyone says, oh, maybe he's really going to, you know, he's really going to let loose now um, because he senses it's his last couple of years. Um, and he's really going to, you know, release the handbrake and go for it. And um, that never quite happens. And, and you know, may, maybe this could be a bit of that. It could be him thinking, right, I've definitely only got this two years. So, you know what, I'm going to I'm gonna blow the bank on this 18-year-old kid who, if things go well, would probably only have for a maximum of about two years anyway. And basically, if he... Th- I, I think the only reason he would be prepared to go this big on a player is because he thinks this player will win me the Premier League. Um, this player will make the difference. And uh, I wrote about this a couple of weeks ago. I, I do tend to think that a lot of Arsenal's thinking might be, do you know what? I've been trying to fix this bloody team for three years. I've been trying to put a midfield together that works. You know, I've been trying to make a team that's attacking that doesn't get exposed on the break. And do you know what? I can't do it. Um, so I'm just gonna I'm just gonna go for the cheat option and just buy 
an incredible striker who's going to score 30 goals and win me the Premier League. And now, do you, whether that and do you actually, think it'll happen? <laughs> whether that would actually happen or I mean, a lot of that would depend on how good Mbappe actually is. Um, I mean, personally, I don't really know. I've seen him in a couple of Champions League games and thought he looked incredible, but that's that's still limited evidence. And, you know, it would be a massive leap of faith on a kid um, who's 18. Um, I mean, if it was, you know, when it was like Suarez a couple of years ago, I, I was kind of up for blowing the bank on Suarez um, because he was, at the time, he was in his kind of mid to late 20s, entering his prime, and it was clearly he was, uh, he was getting towards that kind of form. Um, and, you know, he nearly won Liverpool the league that season. I'm certain he'd have won us the league if he'd have been playing for us because I think we were a better team than Liverpool were at that time um, and indeed still are. Um, but it's it's a confusing one, really, because I, I don't really know if Mbappe is that good at this stage. He might well be, but there's I don't know. There's just a part of me that thinks some of this team is really fu- fundamentally a little bit broken still and I suppose it depends if we keep the three at the back and all of those questions and who well, else let's, comes let's in come and who to else all goes of that. yeah because I mean it all starts to tie in whether Alexis stays or also resigns yeah. you know, who, who's staying in the midfield so but uh, so I mean I, I take your point I, Paul I guess my question to you is is there a frustration for you at all about the fact that we had Alexis we had Ozil we had the the skeleton of a really good squad. It was clear he wanted something up front. He only buys Czech one summer. He gets Shaka last summer. I mean, not a disaster, but that in the summer where we may be losing Alexis or even Ozil and Alexis in a summer where there's you know so much activity in the transfer market, this is where we decide we're willing to spend over 100, millions on, 100 million pounds on a player when it's someone that Real Madrid is chasing where the odds don't look at least fantastically stacked in our favor. I mean, is there a frustration for you that now is when we do it, when when arguably the window to have done this and and help yourself keep Alexis and Ozil, for that matter, might have been sooner? Yeah, massively. I think that's spot on. Um, I think Surprisingly, hallmark... not what I was expecting from you in the answer, to be, to be fair. But... Yeah. <laughs> well, so here's another uh, indication that that's true. We're hearing of... Stan Kroenke getting involved in key negotiations in, and I suspect he's not negotiating anything. He's basically uh, had a conversation or two with Ozil, who's heard it all before, who's who has tremendous personal respect for Arson, I would guess, but somehow doesn't quite buy the this year we're going to do it in his mind. He's heard that for the last three or four years and certainly the last one or two years that we were really going to go for it and that we had the squad. And well, no matter what our boy who cried wolf, moment, right? Or fool me once, shame yeah. on you, fool me twice, shame on me. It's the yeah. same concept. Yeah. I mean, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't be implying that their relationship isn't strong and that he doesn't have great respect for him, blah, blah, blah. But in terms of what the club's willing to do if Ozil stays, he needs to hear from more than our because you know we've all heard from Arsene that we would we would get top quality players or we didn't get them because they weren't available and neither of those works for Ozil this time round. Um, if he's going to stay, and you know on the other hand, maybe he doesn't have a huge number of options. But clearly, um, where one of his options is to stick around and wind down his contract, 
for one year and just kind of cynically work his way out of the club that way, which is not what we want. We want him to commit. Um, so the fact that Stan Kroenke is taking the time um, to, uh, I would say, with one purpose in mind, to say to, to Ozil, listen, I'm getting involved for one reason. We're going for it. We're going to spend money. We are going to buy the players. I'm going to see that happens. Yeah. So, yeah. A, a massive frustration that this didn't happen before. Um, well, because let's that, face it, Paul, right? I mean, if you're willing to wave 100 million pounds in front of clubs, that'll probably lose a lot of players, whether that's a Suarez or a Benzema or an Higuain or an Aubameyang or, you know, pick the player. You wave 100 million pounds in front of a club, as we saw, you know, whether whether it was Paul Pogba or... Uh, Gareth Bale, you know, with Spurs, and I know that wasn't 100 million, but the the fact of the matter is, if we were willing to push the boat out this far, you know, and, and for Arsene's own sanity and, and security in getting this two-year extension, I mean, it just seems strange to me that now is when we do it, and it's this particular player, an 18-year-old who's being chased by one of two or three clubs we really legitimately can't compete with, both financially and in terms of reputation. Um, final words on yeah, Mbappe? Yeah, and I think uh, so yeah, I'd do it. Uh, I think it's important for for all sorts of reasons. Is to, he the right guy me, though, in your mind? Yeah, um, I mean we're all projecting. I haven't seen that much of him, um, but but I'm believing everybody else. Uh, plus, adding in the little bit I've seen of him, uh, I really feel what Arson's doing is Arson is going back to what he knows. I mean, everybody he's looking at basically comes from Monaco or is is French or looks a lot like Thierry Henry mm-hmm. um, or, or is it is some some lesser version or some slightly shorter squashed version um, I, I mean it really feels he, he's going back to what he knows they're all French they all pretty much come from Monaco they're all fast they're all mm-hmm. attacking forwards um, I mean, this is like catnip for Arson. Surely he wants to get in there and roll around a bit. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I mean, Um, he's got to think, wow, this is the second coming. Um, And, you know, when it's not, if it's not him, I do believe the fallback of looking at Martial again. I mean, he was was pretty hot and heavy for Martial uh, a year or two ago. Well, but, and people you know, he were up in arms about what was paid for Martial, and now it, you know, I mean, this is the problem, yeah, right? I mean, change. Uh, it seems we're playing catch up. We are, and it seems we adjusted to the changing values in the transfer market too late, and so now all the and, cash and we stacked up is that. worth less. Yeah, Arsene admiss- admitted that a couple of months ago. He said something along the lines to a journalist of he had been surprised by, if you like, the wage inflation. And in brackets, he has misread that. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think people thought financial fair play would be different, but I don't think people saw that the the TV money would go where it went. Um, But basically, we stacked up all this cash and watched the stack become less uh, powerful and and have less weight while we were stacking it up. And, you know, the the money could have been used to pry loose those players, as we talked about, and... You know, certainly now we're we're in a position where even a hundred million pounds doesn't seem to get you the player you want. So, Clive, I have a lot of questions for you. I want to start with Mbappe, um, and and as sort of the resident uh, uh, coach uh, of of the team, um, just as in terms of his qualities as a player and what our squad needs, assuming no other changes. Let's say in our fantasy world where we're all doing this podcast from the back of our favorite unicorn, 
uh, Alexis is staying and Ozil is staying and everybody's staying. And is Mbappe exactly what the squad is crying out for? Yeah, it's, he's exactly what the squad needs. And um, but you could say that for about twenty teams in Europe, couldn't you? Because he he is a wonderful player. Uh, he's um, his speed, his dexterity, his ability in wide areas. Um, he's he's clinical in front of goal. He's calm in front of goal. He's comfortable under pressure. I mean, he's got a lot of ability at 18 and it's only going to get better. Right. So, and for me, this is, I don't think, and we speak about why did he do this before? I'm I'm not sure. I I think he was trusting the squad massively. And also I've said this before. I think as you get older, your, your network changes, your ability to connect with agents is maybe a little bit out of date, but he's definitely got a relationship with his kid. He's known his kid for a while. He's, he's, the family knows him, and he nearly got him last year for five hundred grand. And his family—I did read something where they said when he left, he left in such a respectful way. He didn't like—he wasn't like bitter because he didn't get him. He was still very positive. And I think if there's one superstar out there in the world that we could get, it's this one. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but that—that that gives me a little bit of hope. But I also feel the reason for us doing this is about repositioning of the club. I think we need to reposition ourselves as a force. And if you say to me, why not before? Well, we didn't need to before because we've been in Champions League for 20 years. We're at the top table. And I felt that we're a little bit complacent about our position in the top 10 in Europe. But now we need to reposition ourselves. And let's wind ourselves back to the day when he signed the contract. There was a lot of statements made that day. A lot of statements that have been recorded by all of us mentally. And we can all refer back to it. Every single Arsenal fan can refer back to the statements of Wenger and Kazidis and Kroenke. And so now they are forced into some sort of action. And I've been really pleased to see us, you know, dabbling at this level. You know, whether it's going to happen or not, no one can say, because things change very quickly in football. But we're talking about Arsenal are out there. And potentially, sometimes transfers just work because of timing and stature of the club and does the kid want to go to Real Madrid at 18? I'm not sure. Are Madrid ready for him from a playing style at, at present time? Probably not. They're probably one or two years away from introducing him. So he's sitting there thinking, what do I do? Do I stay? Do I go to PSG? Or do I come to England? If he comes to England, he's coming to Arsenal, really, isn't he? So so it's, it's, it's quite interesting. But for me, it's about repositioning of the club. Mm-hmm. Back into that French market back where he used to be, where he used to be dominant. And even if we don't get him, we have told all the young talent in France that we are back in the room, we're ready to go again, and we are attractive again. And you've often heard me talk about, are we the employer of choice? Well, this helps. This helps reposition us. And I think it's a really, really smart move. And if it doesn't succeed, it's not a total failure. Um, I mean, I, the one thing that I, I think we would all agree is that getting him has tremendous knock-on effects for the club reputationally and off the pitch. I guess, Clive, my one follow-up question, though, is this yep. is blowing the budget. I mean, this is moves you can't make because you make this move. It's a, it's a buy to rent, not a rent to, uh, not a buy to own. It's two or three seasons, his 18, 19, it's, it's, and 19, 20-year-old seasons. Do you have any concern yeah. that, and again, no denying what it means to us as a club and reputationally, like when we signed Ozil. Do you have any concern that having a 19 and 20-year-old um, is going to come with in, inherent 
obvious inconsistency that means his on-pitch uh, results and, 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 and product will potentially fall short of what we could have done with this money uh, from, a, from a purely functional standpoint. I think we we can look at it functionally. We can look at it pragmatically. We can look at it and say, well, actually, um, this is this is not this is not right because because of our history, because we know how much money we generally have. This is beyond our wildest dreams. But actually, football's, football's changed. Even for the last three or four years, it's changed. If we were to succeed with him commercially, the club would explode. Right, it would explode to another level. He's the most sought-after player in world football. Well, and you're going to sell him and for more than you bought him for, even as extravagant exactly. as that price is. So he has and all the all the commercial things that come with having a player of that potential stature. Of course, there's no guarantees on productivity and performance. We don't know. We can only go on what we've seen. I've seen a fair bit of him in the big European games, and he was the best player on the pitch most times. Um, what does that mean? Is he going to be able to play at Arsenal and do really, really well? None of us really know. But right now, name me another player in the world that's got more promise, more potential at this age. I've not seen a player like this. Well, the, I in can't that position, me. probably no one. That's right. He's a no, generational. There is no talent. one. I, I There's just, no one else. It's it's hard to think that at 19 and 20, he's going to come to the Premier League, settle right in, and play play like the best striker in world football, which is what you're essentially paying for. Look, if you're Real Madrid and you're buying him at this age, you're fine if he doesn't play like the best striker in world football because you have him for his whole career, essentially. If you're Arsenal, you have two seasons. So he better be really good for those two seasons. And again, that's putting aside what it does for us as a club. Tim, um, Mbappe, Griezmann, Lamar, I mean, I, I, you can go through it. There's a golden generation of French talent, and Arsene's foray into it wasn't Martial, it, you know, it wasn't Lamar, it wasn't Griezmann, it was Yaya Sanogo. It was Marilyn Shama. It was Olivier Giroud, God bless him. I mean, he, he and you wouldn't put him in the golden generation so much because he's, you know, 30. But, but do you have any frustration at the extent to which Arsene has seemingly missed out on a golden generation of French talent? Yeah, definitely, because that's that's what you'd have put as one of um, one of his USPs. You know, one of uh, one of his keen selling points, one of his big strengths, really should be his own market. And I think he himself has expressed um, some frustration over that recently. He gave an interview in about March or April where he said something like, "We have to be better in our scouting and our recruiting." And uh, interestingly, he also mentioned N'Golo Kante. He he said, "You know, we were in for Kante, we were in for Griezmann, but." We were a bit too late, and he mentioned those players by name, and he said, you know, we need to be in for these these players earlier. So, yeah, I think there is a bit of frustration there. Um, you know, I don't expect him to have all of those players, particularly because most of them tend to be attackers. Um, and, you know, back 15 years ago or so, the French squad, we didn't have Zidane, we didn't have Trezeguet, you know, those were players who are, who are other massive European clubs but you'd expect us to have one or two of them um, at this stage I understand that the market's changed a bit and scouting's more competitive and prices are different but yeah like you said when you look at some of the players he has gone for um, from the French market you know decent players Koscielny really really good player Sanya really really good player Giroud really really good player but yeah he does he, and they're all kind of a similar age at the moment he does seem to have missed um, this kind of seam of young young talent they've got between the ages of kind of 18 to 23. 
at the moment and and you know he's intimated that he's had interest in all of them at some point but just a little bit too late and that's quite odd actually because you'd always assumed that when he was identifying this kind of younger talent um some years ago that it was it was him um and not his scouts um so you know i don't know and and again actually there is the question as to how young were they were you know these french players we were getting back in the day you know Omri was 21 we actually missed Omri first time when he left monaco he went to juventus instead you know vieira was at ac milan we had to kind of wait until he'd failed there before that came through pires and wiltord were a bit older it was only really anelka who he got at source um and so, yeah, and maybe there hasn't been that element to it. Maybe that's been the missing ingredient that they haven't, you know, a lot of these players that we did end up getting made the big move and it didn't work. And then we, we kind of shook the tree and got them afterwards. Um, whereas now scouting seems to be a little bit better in these, these, these big teams when they buy these players, they tend to know what they're about already. Mm-hmm. Um, but Mbappe, you know, someone like Mbappe would be a real throwback to someone like Anelka. Um, and you'd think that if Wenger's kind of sweet-talking Mbappe and his family, he'll be he'll be harking back to those days and saying, look what I did with George Weah, look what I did with Thierry Henry, look what I did with Nicolas Anelka in the short time I had him. You know, again, if, if we're talking Wenger's USP, one of his big USPs is, is developing strikers, you know, not just French strikers. He could say, look what I did with Robin Van Persie, um, for example. So, but... To come back to your question, yeah, I think it is disappointing. Um, I think he's obviously disappointed about it, particularly with the French market, because that's mm. really where he made so much of his name. Yeah, And he, he does seem to be kind of pointing the fingers a little bit. When he, he spoke a bit about the stat DNA, <clears throat> I think I, I spoke about this on another podcast, and he said something like, I, I wanted Griezmann, but the analytics guys told me no, um, which I, <laughs> I thought was... I thought it was quite an interesting thing to say. It was quite pointed, you know, um, almost like airing dirty laundry. Maybe I'm reading too much into it, but yeah, he 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 certainly doesn't seem to think he has the setup around him to to get these players at source. And you know, he's talking a lot about Mbappe. He talked about trying to get him last summer. He's talked about him a bit this time, which is not really Wenger-like. It's almost like he's saying, you know. Look, look, I, I still, you know, I still know who these players are, um, and I'm, I'm still kind of in there. But whether he thinks he's got the infrastructure around him to actually man them, um, that, that looks to be the, the bone of contention to me. Yeah. Well, and I mean, it, you know, it's kind of spilled milk mm-hmm. at this point. Maybe, maybe he needs a director of football team. What do you think? Well, yeah. What do they do? What do they do? They just do they tell people to go over here and go over there? I mean, who can know? Who can know this sort of thing? Especially not one of the brightest minds in the world of football. Uh, Paul, um, the other name that has been going around a lot is obviously Alexander Lacazette. I don't think there's nearly as much excitement about that name as there is. Uh, about Mbappe, but it's clear that Arsene is once again chasing a striker. All the while, he has come out and said, you know, that we, we need to trust Olivier Giroud, and he deserves our our uh, loyalty and, and confidence, and Giroud has supposedly said he secretly harbors hopes of being Arsenal's first-choice striker for the next season, um, coming off a season where you could say for the most of the season he, he wasn't that uh, even before the arrival of a new striker. Do you have any feelings strongly one way or the other about Lacazette and what it means for Giroud? 
I do look forward to seeing Lacazette in his Arsenal shirt apologizing to the Arsenal fans for ruin every, ruining everything by moving to their club. Um, it, it <laughs> he is divides opinions. It's, it's that's weird. For sure. it, it's just weird. Um, and I don't know how excited to be about Lacazette either. Um, I mean, I think he looks like a very good striker. Uh, Could you just you make the argument his- that he, if, if it's not just about his quality, that style-wise he is more of, of what we've wanted up front yeah. than what we've had? Very much so. If they both had the same style, we wouldn't be getting rid of Giroud. I mean, it's not his his end product, his production. Uh, it's the fact that, you know, he's he doesn't give us speed and movement, and we've kind of moved on now. We've, we've gone up a gear. We've got everything we could out of Giroud. Uh, he's great. You want him as a plan B, but he, pro- he almost definitely won't stick around to be a plan B. And Arsene won't hold him to that with the the World Cup coming up. Um, and, and that's another debate, which is whether Arsene yeah. needs to be a little bit more uh, uh, selfish Ruthless. about that. Ruthless, that's the word. Thank you. But, all right, well, so, I mean, if you'd have Lacazette, I mean, that, that would leave room for additional signings. And, and we can get into names like Lamar and Nabi Keita, who now apparently is available for 80 million euros, and I would be all up in that seam of talent so to speak, as Tim said. Um, yuck. But, uh, I mean, for you, Paul, is there another area that if we did go, instead of for Mbappe, but for Lacazette, and then had that extra cash to really go for someone special in another position, where would you be looking? Well, I'm going to keep it obvious. I mean, I, uh, I'm not big into the transfers, but when they keep mentioning a name i go off and dig around like everybody else i mean lamar looks really good yeah um, well if you can't have one monaco sense. guy you might as well have another yeah um honestly though if i uh, i'd really want to go back and have a look at marcial i mean i know it's united and Mourinho and all that i'd kill for um, him yep. uh, yeah um i mean he looked the business before Mourinho managed to piss in his cornflakes um there's a real player there um, and, you know, the conversation we're having about Mbappe is kind of close to the conversation that we're having about Martial. Obviously, it's it's on steroids um, in terms of our expectations for him. But, I mean, you know, people really did talk about it, and, and Wenger didn't ch- try to change their mind that, that he had that Henri-esque uh, ability and look and style and approach of play. I mean, you go back to the uh, Wenger making the point that he, everybody's saying, well, he's a striker, and Wenger saying that Wenger haven't been caught out for calling him a winger, and turns out Wenger was probably right that he's he still is that winger that has to be converted into a striker. Um, there's work to be done there, but you know, there's a real talent there, and and so that one has a lot of appeal. Of appeal, he's. Uh, uh, if he hasn't, if he's not too damaged at this point mentally, uh, he is acclimated to the the Premier League. So, you know, he's a good option. Uh, I don't know how many Monaco players are going to get sold this this uh, this summer. I mean, there's there's uh, three or four of them going out the door at the moment. So it makes you wonder. Yeah, uh, Lamar though, very very interesting. Yeah, it, um, it's certainly um, no fun trying to do this without. The, I know the Champions League is not. A requirement for doing this, but again, not to go over a point we've already covered, would have would have been a lot nicer if we were 
having these conversations with that chip in our pocket. Yeah. Um, I think the thing is we are this motivated because we're not in the Champions League. The Emperor's clothes have been uh, taken off him. The bubbles burst. Uh, you know, good enough isn't good enough. And we don't want to be left behind. I mean, City aren't sitting yeah. still. They've done some great business. I mean, Liverpool have done tremendous business, in my opinion, getting Salah. And, and they're talking about adding some pretty special players in addition to that, too. So, I mean, you can't afford to sit still because you're moving backwards. Exactly. And I, I do think we have an extra urgency. I mean, Stan doesn't get involved every day of the week. Uh, he seems to care about getting back into the top four. So it's nice to see his little feet scrambling. Um, so, you know, in a way, you I, I mean, it shouldn't be this way, but perhaps we're discussing something that wouldn't have happened had we had we stayed in the top four. Uh, we mightn't have this quite this level of urgency. Uh, well, and so maybe I mean, maybe that was the wake up call. I mean, if that's what it takes for us to start pushing our financial weight around a little bit then maybe that is exactly what we needed. And I'll take a year out of the Champions League to see us spending like a big club and building like a big club. Um, Clive, so quickly, I've got a few questions for you, but quickly on Lacazette. Um, If it's not Mbappe, are you comfortable with Lacazette in terms of style and and skill? Yeah, I mean, much like many people, I'm not one of these Euro hipsters, right? But I have seen Lacazette live, actually. He was in the Emirates Cup a couple of years ago. And um, I watched him play, and I thought, oh, he, he didn't look very strong, very big, and didn't have a very Kashoni killed him that day. And there was a there was another player that played for Leon called Clinton Ng. I thought he looked way better. And then Spurs bought him. I thought, wow, you know, maybe they've got the right one. And then he's come into our league and basically disappeared up his own backside. So it goes to show you can't always predict what someone can do. It's harder to do but than you think. Of, yeah, so Lacazette a couple of years on, done a little bit of research on him and what what he seems to from what he seems to have, he seems to be very hard working. Another one that works very hard off the ball. And the way you know, the way British football is going, our intensity off the ball is important as what we do on the ball. And I think we are moving many more teams are moving to more of a pressing style or have players with the ability to press. Players with intensity, the ability to re- repeat sprints and have that acceleration in their play, whether they're with the ball or without it. So he's another one that has that. And another thing I noticed in his style, you know when you see a left-footed player like a Van Persie take a shot, left-footed players always look sweeter when they take shots or crosses. But this guy's got a wonderful right foot. He's got a great technique where he his standing foot's well in, in advance of the ball. He snaps the ball through. He's got big intercept shot. He takes early shots, early passes, nice pictures. He's definitely a, an intelligent footballer. I don't think I always debate with people that I don't think he's a lone centre forward. He actually could do the Alexis role for us, that sort of lazy second forward. It's not a winger, but not quite a, a lone centre forward. But Alexis sort of does both roles, if you see what I mean, by rotation. I think he can fill that role. Whether he's going to have the same output, none that we. It's going to take. I, I doubt it very much, but I can see why they're looking at him, uh, and he's. Um, it'd be interesting to see if he comes, which a lot of the rumours saying that he is. 
it'll be interesting to see if he can make the impact that he's going to need to do. But I'm hoping he's just part of the plan and not the plan. And then if he's part of the plan, I think it could be useful. The key is that Arson has to know the type of player he's buying. I think too often recently yeah. he's bought players not really knowing what they were going to do in the system, just that he liked them. Shaka yes. is a great example of that. Took him three quarters of the season to figure out what Shaka could do and couldn't do. You know, I, I don't want another one of these Podolsky-type signings where we think we're getting a center forward. Oh, that's not what we got. No, he doesn't really work out on the left in a 4-3-3, so oops, he's totally useless to us. You know, we, we can't afford to make a signing like that. If this is the center forward we need, then play him at center forward and buy the right player. I, I think that's the key. He has to be a fit for our needs in the system that the manager's planning to use, and I don't think we have shown enough intelligence in buying players to fit our system and the way we want to play. Um, Clive, in terms of other areas of need on the pitch, I mean, is, is central midfield the area for you that, that's crying out most yep. for strengthening? Yeah, absolutely. I think um, Shaq has become pivotal, and if he's not there, I, I'm not sure how we're going to replace him. Um, and then he can't do it, not in the with the three-at-the-back system. I don't think he can do it for some of the bigger games. In the 4-2-3-1, El Nenny fits. Does he fit? Does he fit in this new Arsenal? But will we will we switch between formations? We probably will. So let's see what happens there. Mm-hmm. I see. A, obviously, everyone loves Cater, and yes, there's a guy. Oh, there's a guy. There's a guy at Nice called is it John Michael Seri or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, he he looks very good. Um, there's a player at Schalke actually called Leon Goretzka. Yeah, Goretzka. And, We've been and, linked with him. Yeah, and the reason why I, I look I look at him, he's he's quite tall. He's 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 a little bit box to box, but he's quite defensive and he's quite languid. He's, he's probably closer to Rabiot in style. And if you just think we've just done some business with Schalke buying the left back, so that type of thing. When I read that, I think mm, that, that's interesting. That could happen because we've obviously got a relationship with the club, and you often find when you get that relationship with the club that you can go back if you do things properly and um and buy again. So um. That type of player would be interesting. Obviously, Ramsey looks like he's going to sign on. Oxley chamberlain depending what rumour you believe, he's either going to go or sign on. I've heard he's going to sign on. And so, and if he's going to sign on, he's going to probably be a right wing-back cover and a centre midfield player. So I just think we need one more centre midfielder. And obviously, we need to be brave here and actually sell a few because we've got more football players than almost any other club in the league. We need to sell about eight. I'm sure we'll get onto that. There's a lot of business to do. I mean, the one thing I have to admit is, look, I know it's still technically early, but with the amount of issues that have to be resolved, it is a little worrying that we haven't resolved any of them yet. Clive, real quick final question for this round. Um, Is there a scenario where we sell Alexis and still can be better next season, or in your mind, is losing Alexis too much end product output loss to replace it in a single summer? Yeah, it depends on your point of view. I think if we if we just lose Alexis and just buy Lacazette, I don't think we'll be better. Um, oh, but if we buy so. two or three, <laughs> if we buy two or three, and it depends what you believe. I mean, I, I don't want to. I, I love Alexis, but maybe some of the way he plays and the way he is reminds me of Henri in his last year, and potentially other players could blossom if he wasn't there. I'm not sure who that is, by the way, <laughs> but I think we I think we need to lower the age profile of the of the group. We've we've got to the the 28 sort of bracket at the moment. We've got too many around that age. We need to buy a lot younger, and so I'm looking to see younger players come in 
and see if they can blossom. So some of the names we're linked to, I'm really quite pleased, actually. Yeah, I, I mean, I think we're linked to some good players. I don't know that we can lose Alexis and get better because certainly losing Alexis and getting Lacazette doesn't make you better. Um, I, I think while I can understand people who think that he is problematic for the style of football we want to play, in terms of XG plus XA, I think there were only two players in European football that were ahead of him this season. So, I mean, he, he is really yeah. right up there. And not to mention, you can never uh, overvalue a player who plays every game, who doesn't miss, who's reliable, who's, whose effort and appearances are always consistent. Tim, let's talk outgoings for a bit. I want to just do sort of a lightning round with you here. I'm going to run through some players, and I want you to tell me if you think they're staying or they're going. Okay. Mm. Um, so let's start with some of the obvious ones. Kieran Gibbs. Yeah, I think he'll go. And okay. I think he should. Uh, Clive wants to, quote, sell all the fuckers. There is no secret back channel here, Clive. Clive wants to, quote, sell all the fuckers. And then he wants them to climb up their own backside. Um, okay, so uh, Gibbs, gone. Uh, yeah. Lucas Perez. He'll go, yeah. El Nenny. Uh, if we buy a central midfielder, I think he might be the one to go, yes. And okay. I think we should buy a central midfielder as well. Fix Dude. that um, Cazorla-sized pothole that we've had kicking around for the last three years. Amen. Uh, uh, Jenkinson? Definitely gone. Uh, uh, what's his name? Debushi? <laughs> Definitely gone, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of work to do here. Uh, yeah, yeah, Sonoga's leaving on a free. It's, well, yeah, we, hardly, we hardly knew you. He's gone. Yeah, he's gone. <laughs> um, all right, let's, let's get into some of the tougher ones. Um, let's start with Oxlade-Chamberlain. Yeah, that, I, I really, really don't know about that one. I've got a feeling he might go. I've got a feeling if Liverpool say to, because I don't think this will be about money, um, which actually, you know, the discussion you were having earlier, one of the consequences of falling out of the Champions League is you have to sugar the pill a little bit. And one of the things that will really hurt Arsenal more than anything is that they're going to have to throw more wages at the guys they want to sign because they haven't got the Champions League anymore. That will hurt Arsenal. That will sting them. Um, but I don't think the Chamberlain thing is going to be about money. I think if Jurgen Klopp says to him, I will play you in central midfield every week, I think he'll walk to Liverpool. Christ Almighty! Um, I mean, what's their lineup going to be? <laughs> Firmino, Coutinho, Mane, Salah, Ox, and Khan and Chan. Well, I, I mean, if yeah. you break their press, they're going to give up seventy-five goals a season. It's ridiculous. <laughs> well, actually, also the other thing that um, Klopp started to do at the end of last season, which actually I think really rejuvenated Liverpool, it was one of those, um, almost one of those moves that Wenger quite often pulls out just to get him over the line. He dropped Coutinho back into the number eight spot. Um, and I'm not sure if that's a long-term thing, because if he decides to do that long-term, then he's got a front three, potentially, of Salah, Mane and Firmino. Um, and then he's got Coutinho in central midfield. So if he's got Coutinho in central midfield, you can't put Oxlade-Chamberlain with him. So, um, But I, I, do, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Liverpool were interested. And if they can give him a footballing promise that we can't, I think he'll go. Swap deal for Sturridge? Um, <laughs> No, I don't see that happening. Um, <laughs> Not enough room on the training table? I, I, I can't see any other club you know, around us being that interested. Um, I'd love to keep him just because I think he's a really useful player who can play a number of roles in a number of different formations. But 
probably a bit like Olivier Giroud, who who wants to be that guy, who wants to be the utility guy. Mm-hmm. Um, he probably wants something more. So I, I really, really don't know. I, I honestly, I think it's 50-50, and I don't think Arsene Wenger or Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain know at the moment. I got to come to Paul for this one. Paul, Theo Walcott, your, your, uh, your best mate, your love, yeah, your I, betrothed. I think... I think he'll still be with us at the end of the season. Will he be with us at the end of the 2035 season? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You know it. Um, So I think he'll still be with us at the end of the summer. Um, Whether he should be based on... Well, whether he should be depends on whether we're really going to mix formations next year. If we are, then yes, we should keep him. Uh, If we're not sure, we should keep him. Uh, but if we're committed to three four three, we should let him go. Yeah, so, I think that's a good shout. Really good shout. I, I do. My guess is Ox will stay, and my guess is he he'll stay because he'll get a commitment that he's going to start uh, more than half the games, plenty of games, and I think he's going to need to see a lot of time in midfield. And so I think midfield's the big puzzle. Um, in terms of who you sign. I mean, when you look at the players, you you, you got piling up there. You got Chaka Cock, El Nenny, Ox, Ramsey. Uh, uh, you got to make a decision on Ainsley, Mait- Maitland Niles. Is he going to, he's had a brilliant, what was that, under 20s mm-hmm. uh, World Cup? Um, got you know, looks, yeah. Yeah, don't forget. Um, yeah, I got him pushed further forward. I'm just looking at the, the two CMs. Mm-hmm. in midfield. Yeah. Um, and now it's too Ox many players without the- enough stars, without enough, you know, league winning talent in there. There's a lot of interchangeable parts. Um, and if we do there buy is. another central midfielder, it, it it comes up that collection even more. You start to wonder. Yeah. Um, by the way, Shaka Cock, um, if you if you have that, see your doctor immediately. Yeah. Um, with a four two three one. We only ever had one pairing that worked out of all of that, and that was basically Chaka Ramsey, kind of maybe. Well, everyone with Kazorla, and then nobody after that. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. What, so, all, all right. So, uh, with the three four three. There's some. There's some other pairings, but obviously that's that's. It's like a jigsaw where you got like three sets of pieces all together. Only this jigsaw is only supposed to have two pieces. I mean, that's where you need to sort out. I'm still not convinced we have the right. We need one more player, I think. Yeah. And yet we've way too many. So Nabi Keita would be that player. Let me just tell you, if you put Shaka next to Keita, you'd have yeah. you'd have something really fucking dynamic. Um, I'll come back to you in just one second, Paul. <laughs> I want to give yeah. uh, Tim one one word on one other player, and we we still have the two big ones to get to. But mm. Tim, is there is there a chance Olivier Giroud goes this summer? I mean, is is it possible that Arsene Wenger in his magnanimous way says to him i can't guarantee you starts and and it i bought lacazette and leon need a striker and it's a world cup year so off you go i mean would he possibly make that move yeah i could see that um i've, I've actually I've is it defensible written, uh well I, so okay I'll, I'll try all this by saying that i've actually written about this for this week i've done a the case oh. for selling and the case for keeping olivia Giroud. um i do think it's possible yes um i think if Arson's got his eyes on a couple of expensive acquisitions. He might reason that, well, you know what, I can make some money and some space here. And he seems to really, 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 really like Olivier Giroud on a personal level. 
Um, and so if he thinks, you know what, it's a World Cup year at the moment, you're France's number one striker um, and you're 31 years old, so it's probably your last World Cup. I, I could see him perhaps doing that, doing him that that solid, um, as it were. The, the one thing I'd say as well with, with regards to all this, who's staying and who's going, um, there's an excellent argument that our squad should be a, a lot bigger this year because of the Europa League. If we plan to use squad players in the Europa League, there's an excellent argument that we should have two starting 11s and that, in fact, we could use the group stages to try and actually work out some of this stuff. So we know that with a back three, Xhaka and Ramsey looks looks like it works, looks pretty decent. But the problem we've had over the last few years is you we get a midfield that works and then you take one player out of it and it completely collapses. And probably what we should use the Europa League group stages to do is to try and work some of this out. So give, I don't know, Elneny and another, like give them some games together, try and get them a partnership going, try and try and build almost a second eleven behind the first eleven and experiment a little bit. And and you know, some of these players we can give them games now because we've got six group stage games where we can say you know, in almost none of these, we're, are we going to select our, our, you know, our first choice eleven? Particularly mm-hmm. now that the Premier League fixtures are out, and we know that we're away from home after five of them. So there is an argument to keep a bigger squad. And even with a player like Giroud, you could say, well, you know what, that six Europa League games. Um, whether he'd be particularly excited by that prospect, I don't know. But we could say to him, well, look, we can give you the games. Can't Plus, all the games when Welbeck is injured. <laughs> <laughs> well, you well, indeed, indeed. So, um, you know, there, there is an argument to keep some of these squad players who weren't really used last year, but could be this year. Um, I'll, I'll get to you in one second, Paul. I'm just going to ask Clive something really quickly. I mean, Clive, uh, with respect to Alexis, I think it is taken as uh, fact that he's leaving. I don't know that he absolutely is, but let's assume for a minute that he is leaving and that we need to improve the squad in his absence quite obviously and that is difficult um if if you had to guess would the would the better solution be to sign a player like Amarez and plug Mares into alexis's role and just accept that you're stepping down or would you try to do something like move ramsey up into that role where you know his ceiling is pretty high and maybe he could do something special and then try to buy an upgrade on Ramsey in the central midfield role. I mean, which do you try to do? One-for-one one replacement for Alexis or move someone into Alexis's role that's already in the squad and improve on Ramsey as a central midfielder? I think the idea of moving Ramsey further forward appeals to some. and We saw him play for Wells just the end of the season and he played further forward. And, and in my opinion, looks a far better player when he's allowed to be free running. But he has one issue and, and, and his finishing is not great. right? So we're not going to get 20-plus goals from him and we're not going to get, I don't know how many assists. He's underperformed so XG in every season of his career the last like five or six other than that one season where everything he hit went in. Yeah, he's just it's, he's a he's a progressive forward running midfield player that if he's got a base behind him and he has less positional responsibility, he becomes more effective because he gets judged on what he does going forward and not judged on what he does running backwards. And running forward, he's an interesting player. Running backwards, he's a liability in my opinion. So, so but that's one thing I, I think. Lamar, Lamar, and Lacazette are much closer in in um in different ways because they're more they're, they're quicker. 
they can beat people. They they're more dynamic. Um, I, I think. Any we, word we, on Mares or not? Not even entering. Yeah, Mares, I I see I see Mares as a as a right sided player and in the Ozil position, if you see what I mean. Well, you could put Ozil um, back on the other side then, where he claims he yeah, prefers exactly. to be. Yeah, exactly. I like I like Mares. I, I I think he's actually. If you said to me Mares or Lamar, I, I I go Lamar because I think. His attitude is better. His work rate is better. He makes more tackles per game, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So I, I like him. I think Mario's attitude of the last season at Leicester makes me more suspicious than I would have been if he'd have come a year or so ago. But the, the, the big issue for us is selling. We all we've grown used to these players. We all love them, and even when we're talking about them, we don't really want to sell them. We're not sure we can find a slot for them. I think you'll find well, I'd like to sell quite a few of them. <laughs> Yeah, we got a. It's quite. We had a successful period at the end of last season because we did something different. We've had these players for so long. We're not offering nothing new tactically. There's no surprises about us. The surprise we come up with at the end of last season shocked, you know, shocked everybody, and it, and, it, and we got some results. And we found so many new players in different ways. Much more confidence about them. We. I think it's time for some player renewal. I think it's time to lower the age profile and I think it's time to to really invest and really lose some players before they're ready to go. Are you hinting at the like, R word, rebuilding? I'm just I'm hinting at renewal. <laughs> right. There's no bad Not thing. Not when to go to rebuilding, renewal. Uh, renewal, renewal, renew. I, I, I say it's about two years ago, actually, we should have sold some players. It's not because I don't like them. It's because there needs to be a benchmark set to say, you've had your time at Arsenal, we haven't quite reached where we need to go, we're going to give someone else a go. You just, you just don't stay here clocking up contracts. That's not what it's about. We need to change the whole persona of the place, make no, it less you write comfortable. write children's books and you give nice interviews and yeah, you score well, about he 10, was, 15 goals on, a game. <laughs> yeah, and then you can say, he was on the tip of my tongue. It's not that <laughs> I don't like him. I know, but I know. He's, he's almost an easy indicative. target. Yeah, he's indicative of what we've become. I know, he had an unbelievable goals. season. I don't know where the goals happened. I'm not convinced they did, but so I'm keeping getting told they did. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But I mean, it's not it's not personal on any one player. I think it's if you're looking at what we we come to a real seismic season last year. We got to the end. We said some things. We need to deliver on some of the things that we said. So we can't just sign all the players on again and do exactly the same thing, lose our superstar and add one or two and expect as soon as we lose two games, the banners will be out straight away and it'll be more toxic than ever. We have to do something new. We have to do something more, not evolution, but revolutionary. It's got we to freshen up. Yeah, yeah I, we I have to. You know, the old faces have gotten too familiar, and that familiarity has bred contempt. And I just think some of them need to go. In fact, I forgot to mention him, but I think we probably all agree Jack Wilshire's off, assuming we can find yeah. a buyer. Yeah, yeah everyone? So. Yeah, agree? Well, okay. Maybe, maybe yeah. not. I read something today that Wenger loves him, so who knows, right? Well, so, there are a lot of things that I you think, love, and you know what they say about something you love. <laughs> Set it free. I think the operative piece of it might be assuming you can find a buyer so uh, i wouldn't uh, i think there's better than 50 50 chance he'll be at the club this year um all right so paul uh let me give you the three scenarios ozil resigns ozil is sold ozil plays down his contract and leaves on a free next summer uh assign for me percentage likelihood for each one uh i think it's better than 50 50 that he's going to be re-signed there are three options. Can't be 50 50. 
So, <laughs> so 50% uh, resign. I would put that one at 99% so that I don't really have to do any other calculations. No, you'd have to 100%. put it at nine. Just no. do it at 98 and then put 1% for yeah. the other two. Can we do that? Yeah. So you're, you're really so that think, confident that he will actually sign on? I mean, he's, well, he's got an advantage, right? I mean, because, Paul, if, if Alexis goes, the club can't sell Ozil in the same summer. They can't, even if he won't resign. So Ozil has a really advantaged position, which is he knows if they sell Alexis, they've got to keep him, and he can play down his contract and leave on a free and get that that one big bumper deal for the last major deal of his career. Yeah. I mean, look, we got Stan on the job. It's going to be fine. Isn't it you Josh who's Stan on the job? On then... I thought it was Josh. Um, you don't put Stan on the job without believing it's winnable. So. <laughs> All right. So, so you think he's going to resign. Okay. So then, so then yeah. if he resigns, I mean, Paul, obviously – you know, I don't want to get into any of the players you hate, your pet hate players like Coughlin, who you want to fire out of a cannon into the sun for some sure. reason. Yeah. I don't Granted. understand that. Yeah. Um, so then f- further back, we didn't mention Callum Chambers. I, I, we, we sort of have a glut of, of central, defensor, cen- central defensive six talent. central defenders. And I'm if we play three at the back, we might just about need them. But do you think there'll be any shakeup with the, with the central defenders? Well, yeah, because, I mean, how do you ignore Per's performance? And well, you don't ignore it. I think you presume he's only capable of a handful of those in a season at this stage, right? Okay, but um, I I proposed him for the center, the center back uh, lineup for the FA Cup final, and a couple of people made the point strongly that he wouldn't last ninety minutes on that heavy pitch, which I thought was a very fair point, and I had second thoughts about it. Well, he more than lasted it. Um, maybe we're doing him a disservice, and. The other thing I would say is, man, did this team lack leadership last year. Yes. I and I think it suffered from that. And I don't think there was a counterbalance to Sanchez, uh, his, um, his the, the kind of negativity that his frustration and the fact that he was a one-man show, that kind of divide that I think was in the team. I'm not putting that all on Sanchez. I just think that there was there was a separation there. And had Per been in the team and pulled Ozil to, to, into his orbit, um, I think the dynamic of that team would have been very, very different. And I think this team needs a leader right now and, and that dynamic. So it, he doesn't have to pay, play every game, but I could see him playing a lot. And he has to play in the center. So then you say, well, where's Koscielny going to play? Um, so it does kind of put the cat among the pigeons. Um, obviously, Koscielny's our star centre-back. But, man, how do you... I, I think you meant Rob Holding, but I can understand the mispronunciation. Yeah. So, uh, we, we're spoiled for choice, I think, in the back six. There might still be, I'm sure, Clive would make the the pitch for we need a different kind of centre-back in there, but it's our least problematic area of the pitch. And given all the troubles we have elsewhere, I don't think that's going to be the area we spend any more cycles on. Um, And I guess the question is, do we keep Gabriel uh, or do we not? And is that the opportunity for Chambers to come in and play one of the role of the six? But I think he's too similar to holding. Um, We might take the money and run. I think Gabriel has some major assets. Uh, the only question is, can he shine with intelligence in a way that he hasn't, see, hasn't in the past? Not that I think he's a dumb person, 
it's it's more intelligence on the field. So he's he's positionally uh, not great. He he played much better in the back three when he had cover. Yeah. He, in a back two, I just don't think you can start him. I think he's too much of a liability. Yeah. Um. And so, do, do you think we'll keep Chambers? I, I mean, he's he's starting ahead of holding in the U twenties. Yeah. No, I think yeah. He's not starting ahead of holding in in Arsenal. No, would be no, my of, guess. of course not. I'm just saying, like he he had a good yeah. season with Burrow. He's no. playing. He's, he's starting ahead of him for for England's you know youth team. So I mean, he yeah. he's got something about him. Is he a player we need to hold on to? No, uh, I I really like him. I, if there was an opening there, I, I'd push him in. But I still think he's the one who's a little bit marshmallowy inside. He just doesn't have that edge. I mean, a holding has a harshness to him an edge uh, that Chambers doesn't have, in my opinion. And I hate people who say that stuff. It's very old school. I no, generally I, despise I people saying what I'm saying. Mentality center back is important. I mean, yeah. you know, because, because you also have to be able to pick yourself up, dust yourself off when you make a mistake and come back stronger. I mean, Koscielny makes some boneheaded plays. doesn't seem to affect him. Chambers got roasted by Montero. Was it Montero in Swansea when he was playing on the yep. right that day? And, and he never recovered that season. It, it ended yep. his season. I mean, I, look, one of the things we know about a squad is it is not just about buying. It is about organic improvement. I think, you know, we need players like Alex Iwobi to kick on from where he seemed to be and then regress back from. We need players like Oxlade Chamberlain, if they stay, to find a position, make it his own, and excel there. You know, we need Aaron Ramsey to put a full season together where he thrives on the pitch. The solution is partly in the transfer market, but it is also partly in getting performances, improved performances from players that have a higher ceiling than the than what they've shown so far, Tim. If you had to pick a player or two who needs to and you believe could step up and and make a significant difference next season, um, who will still be around next season if there are any of those left, is, is there one or two that you would have to call out? I mean, it feels like every time we have this conversation, it's Oxley Chamberlain. Yeah, yeah, he's one of them. Um, I think Danny Welbeck um, is another. Shot. I think. He's, he's a really, really good player. I really like having him in the team. I think the team plays a lot better with him in it. I think what started to look like it was happening just before he got injured was that his finishing was getting a little bit better. Then he got injured and then he came back and he started to score goals again and then he got injured. And, you know, he's come back this season and, and you know, perhaps we've been slightly generous to him on his kind of end product and finishing because he still doesn't quite have that composure in front of goal. If he could add that, you know, I think we're talking about one of the, it's a really weird kind of thing where Danny Welbeck's a brilliant footballer, but I'm not sure he's a brilliant striker. If he could go at least some of the way to becoming a brilliant striker and, you know, getting more towards the, you know, because he's in the kind of 10 goal bracket at the moment when really he should be pushing up to the twenties and he's coming to that age now where he, sh- he should really be looking at doing that. So I think Danny Welbeck, um, and he seems, you know, fitness-wise, he seems to have been managed well. He seems to have come back nice and fit, hasn't had any setbacks. Um, <clears throat> the second injury he got wasn't related to the first. They don't really seem to have affected him in terms of, you know, physically or mentally. So I think next season he's one player who should really be looking at, you know, making up perhaps some of that shortfall particularly if we're going to be losing goals, if we're going to be losing someone like Alexis, maybe even Giroud as well, um, then, you know, we're going to have to, we're going to have to notch some goals. Um, so he's one I, w- I would definitely look at. Um, and I, th- I think the other perhaps more obvious one is Aaron Ramsey, um, because, you know, it's a little bit, 
if we can assign him to a new contract because you know he's at the two-year mark and that's where you make the decision do we sign or do we sell and obviously we make it looks like we're making the decision to try and sign with which is fine but there really has to be a plan for him in this team now um and also he might have to you know start to moderate his game to fit the team at the moment it's I think he started to do that a bit last year. I thought he started to become um, a little bit more kind of guarded uh, in his runs forward, whereas perhaps two seasons ago it was a bit more gung-ho. I think I'm right in saying all of his goals last season were scored in the second half and um, quite a few of them late in games. And I think what he's starting to do is to sense that, look, in the first half, I'm just going to sit, I'm just going to do my job. And then once the game, you know, once the game opens up a bit or once it starts getting late, that's when I'll make my runs forward, particularly because his, his energy levels are so good that that's really, really when that's going to come into play. That's really when he can profit from that massive attribute he has. So I think he's another one. And particularly, you know, if we lose Ozil and or Alexis, then you'd be really looking at him to step up as someone who's you know not a centre forward but a regular source of goals and Clive's right that means his finishing has to improve I tend to find with Ramsey's finishing you know I know Paul said this a number of times he's a guy who needs six seven games he, he needs to really hit his stride um, before that stuff really starts to really starts to click in and um, that depends on him staying fit and that that's why I think we really really have to buy a central midfielder as well because mm. you know Xhaka and Ramsey with the back three yeah that looks like it works fine but we know from experience that, that Ramsey you know he gets hamstring injuries quite often so we have to have a plan for if and for if and when that happens and you know we might need to manage him as well in terms of his games we might not be able to play him in every single game so there has to be a bit of a plan, but at the same time, um, the onus is on him to deliver as well. And the club and Aaron Ramsey, I think, have got to like meet somewhere in the middle um, because I think he's got huge potential. I think I, you know, I really, really like him. I think he's an excellent player, and you know, for all of the flaws he has, um, I, I think they're the same flaws that the likes of Frank Lampard and Steven Gerrard have had um, as players. But Liverpool and Chelsea, you know, they created teams that could accommodate those flaws. And if Arsenal are serious about giving Aaron Ramsey a new contract and making him the future of our midfield, then we've got to look at a way to do that. We've either got to get rid of him or we've really got to have a plan for him. So I think Ramsey and Welbeck are the two that I'd be looking at um, making those kind of marginal gains from. Yeah, scenes uh, in May when Ramsey sits out the title decider at Old Trafford because he's resting his hamstring for the World Cup. That's not going to go over well. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think Granit Shack is another one. You know, he finally found a position and a partner and a style that worked, and he was really running the show in midfield. And I think if the manager sticks with the back three and sticks with the role that he gave Shaka, we could see him go from strength to strength and get even better. My fear is that he will revert to a back four. It worries me because we just know that the way we play with the back four asks our midfield to do things they can't do in terms of covering, uh, as Clive likes to say, in the the green grass or, or the, this, the a lot of a lot of grass. That's what Clive says. He says there's a lot of grass on the pitch. Lots yep. of grass. Can I make um, a quick pitch for why I think the manager will stick with three four three? Sure, why not? Fire a, away. A different take. And then, and then I got a Very couple short. quick closing things. Yeah, fire away. Yeah. 
um, I really feel Arson is going to go to what he knows. Now, you might say, well, and you can see that in terms of the kinds of players he's looking to buy and where he's looking to buy them from. And I think 3-4-3 gives him that, not because it was the first formation that the club was using when he arrived, but because it gives him something 4-4-2 gave him that when the game switched away from that, he lost and exposed him. We all know he doesn't really do defense um, to the level it needs to be done. That's not where he spends his cycles. That's not where he's most comfortable. And 3-4-3 is the antidote for Arson. He can then focus on what he wants to focus on. And so I think, I don't, in a way, he didn't pick 3-4-3. It picked him. But I wonder if he just won't settle into it as something he's actually comfortable with. Because in a season where he's going to be under tremendous pressure, it allows him, just like 4-4-2 did, to put his emphasis on telling the team, the final third, this is where we work our magic. Yeah, I mean, look, he, he dominated. We, we dominated the champions in the FA Cup final using that formation. And, you know, we, we played ourselves back into form with it, and players seemed to find a role. I, I, I understand the advanced metrics community uh, believes that maybe it was somewhat of an illusion and that the underlying data wasn't as positive, but I, I still think you have to look at how the players played and the confidence it gave them to understand their roles and, and not be exposed. It just suited the, the squad a lot better. Clive, um, let's do some rapid-fire stuff just real quick. First of all, any any uh, hipster, skinny jeans, world football guys you'd like us to be looking at that maybe we aren't or players you think we could have a sneaky interest in or just that's a pet player of yours that, that you wish we were going for? Mm, well, firstly... I did read that Wenger wants to keep this formation, and I, th- and I think he will. That'd be great. And I think he, will, I think he will flip to the four as the game requires it, like like many teams do, when they are they're one or two behind, they take a defender off, they put a midfielder on, and they flip to a four. That makes perfect sense. So I, I think, I think he'll do that. Um, player that I think he, I'd like to see him get. Um, there's a player at um, Real Madrid, centre midfielder. Is it Kovacic or Kovacic? Mm-hmm. Kovacic. He's a Kovacic. yeah. He's um he's a young player that's been there in the background. Twenty two, twenty three. Really skillful, Kozola type player with real gas, and he drives. That's the sort of player that I'd love to see him sneak out of there. Again, he's a centre midfielder, but he's you know something that Tim put me onto. And I, when I when I get a bit athletic sometimes and talk about athleticism, I forget what players like Santi bring and they bring technical security and I still think we lack that in centre midfield we don't get that next to a um, next to a Shaka who's obviously he's far more positionally aware and he, he knows his role he's got real clarity but the player next to him I feel should be closer and should be very technically secure so he can build through the phases so a player like that I, I, I would love to see come I'd love to see come. But uh, obviously the big name players like Cater, etc. I just think that price is too heavy. Um, 80 million euros time, for the best young midfielder in world football, probably. Yeah, yeah, he is. But um, if you're going to go heavy, let's bring some goals with it. That's, yeah. that's my opinion. Okay. Um, and then just quickly, Clive, I mean, do you – do you think it's already too late? Like, I mean, there's so many players who's who are currently at Arsenal whose situation has to be sorted out, 
And then I think you have to sort out who's going almost before you decide who's who's coming because how do you know what your needs are? Do you have a concern that this is going to start to run late again, that it's going to interfere with preseason, that we're not going to get the proper preparation? I mean, or do you still – are you still calm at this point? I mean, it's, it's going to be July 1st this week. What do you think? Yeah, exactly. You hit the nail on the head. Contracts run to June 30, 31st, July 1st. And then all those people who are getting pensions from us, like Debussy and Gibbs, etc., buying their houses and properties on the back of Arsenal fans, they're going to have to go during the last year. They formally go into their last year, and then they're going to have to do something. So um, the next sort of four or five weeks are going to dictate what's going to happen. This is the time when players are on holiday, this is the time before they come back. This is the time when all the agents are working in the background. But until the players come back, you can't really find life things. So I think in the next two two weeks or so, we're going to see some action. And I'm afraid we have to see action out the door. We have to create space, as you Americans say. You have to create cap space as well. We've got wages <laughs> issues. Yep. Yeah, the rules are saying that we can't we can't pay Alexis the money we need to pay. Your total wage bill by a certain amount, right? Yeah, exactly. And um, and so we have to create space. Right? And so every club knows we have to create space. Hence why when people are coming to buy our players, the prices that are being quoted look a bit low. Because everyone knows we've, we've, we've hoarded mediocrity for too long. Right? So now we're in a situation where we have to create space. We have to buy players to convince our superstars to stay. And so because of that, we're not going to get top dollar for the ones we need to sell. But you know what I say? Bite the bullet. Pay the guys off. Get them out the door. Renew. And let's have something fresh for next season. Yeah. I will tell you this, though, Clive. If your contract runs through June 31st, you should get a lawyer because you've been swindled. Um, there's no, Sorry, there's, mate. There's no 31st. <laughs> uh, Tim... Um, one thing that we it's know... It's a leap year. Oh, well, I t- still, still no. I'll do that. I've got your <laughs> hey, back, Clive. 30 Don't days, worry, September, April, June, and November, all the rest have 31, except for February, which sometimes has 28 and sometimes has 29. It's just an easy mnemonic. Um, okay, Tim. <laughs> Tim, hello. Uh, so... One thing we know Arsene Wenger likes to do is he's he's a fan of waiting till the end of the window and seeing what <laughs> shakes loose. Um, yeah. There are players, Murata, James, Aubameyang, Iheanacho, Cunaguero, uh, just to name a few off the top of my head, but there are players around that are interesting that have situations that need to be sorted out. I mean, I guess you could throw a Sturridge in there. Um, Anthony Martial certainly unsettled, mm. wants to play World Cup year. Do you think that Arson's tempted looking at that collection of big talent that's unsettled, that wants to move, and he's thinking, I don't think my fans are going to love me for this, but I've got a suspicion someone, whether it's someone bananas like a Gareth Bale or it's a James or it's a Murata or it's any of those other guys I named, do you think there's a temptation for him to look around, see those situations, and believe that something will shake loose around deadline day that he can pounce on? No, I don't. Um, I don't think we've bought on you poor deadline thing. day. <laughs> but, <laughs> God well, bless you. <laughs> well, this, this point will develop. Um, I, I don't think we've bought on deadline day in August since the Ozil deal. Um, and, and actually, even that, really, we could have, were it not for Tottenham um, playing silly buggers, would have had that wrapped up a couple of weeks earlier. Um, I, I don't think he'll do that. 
I don't think he can afford to do that because of the volume of work there is to do with the sales, with the, you know, the situations with Ozil and Alexis. However, um, I wouldn't be surprised if it turns out like that. Um, actually, I, you know, I've, I don't really think about the transfer market too much because it doesn't massively interest me. Um, thanks for having me on this pod, by the way. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I mean, look, but, this isn't our brand, but, you but think of all the listeners. Think of all the sweet, sweet <laughs> clicks. But um, but I, I have been reflecting on this only today, really, because I knew we were doing this. Um, I, I think we might be in for another kind of summer 2011 kind of vibe because I think so much rests on the contract situations of Ozil and Alexis. And it just really looks like there's going to be an impasse to me that it's they're going to be like, well, go ahead and sign some players and we'll sign up. And the club will be like, yeah, but we don't know how much money we can spend until we know how much we're paying you. And I, I can only see this developing because, you know, I've, with Ozil, there's slightly more potential because A, there doesn't seem to be a huge amount of interest in him at the money he seems to want. And he's on holiday now. And so presumably he'll be back for pre-season training and he'll go on tour and everything. And, you know, maybe things can develop from there. With Alexis, I think it's really going to drag out because he's at the Confederations Cup. Um, I found out today there's a third and fourth place playoff for the Confederations Cup. Who knew? Um, so he's definitely there for, for the whole thing. Then he's going to go on holiday. Um, he's not going to be on tour, probably, which means the club are going to be in Australia and wherever, and he's not going to be with the. So, you know, he doesn't really have to face up to the coaching staff and the club, really. Probably you're looking at until, like, the beginning of August... And I, I can see the Alexis thing dragging on, and I can see that having a lot, um, a lot of influence over what might happen, as well as Wilshire, as well as Chesney, as you know, someone like Kieran Gibbs shouldn't be too difficult, and Debussy and Jenkinson shouldn't be too difficult. Really, it's it's not so much the incomings that are kind of concerning me. I I think a couple more should be out the door already. Um, I think Debushi should be gone already. I think Jenkinson should be gone already. I think Gibbs should Gibbs should have been gone two years ago, but Gibbs should be gone. Um, you know, I, it, these are players really. If we're going to get this summer sorted, are the ones that shouldn't be that difficult to move on. But I can kind of see them sticking around until the last week in August, and I, I can see something analogous to the 2011 scenario where everything happens in the last week. And then once again, we're in a position where we're actually playing Premier League games that we're not really prepared for. You know, we might have a situation where Alexis is still an Arsenal player and, you know, we don't know what's happening. And We call that the Nasri uh, scenario. Yeah, yeah. I, To be honest with you, um, you know, look at what we've got to do, all the work we've got, and look at what happens every summer. And, you know it's difficult to make a case that we're going to be really smart and get all of this done quickly, unfortunately. It's so um, much. It's over. I mean, it's hard to even, we didn't even, we weren't even able to talk about every player that has to no. be uh, worked out, let and alone the more, have it done. I know. And the more time goes on, the more that summer of two years ago, where we only bought Petr Cech just looks worse and worse because a lot of, a lot of this, a lot of the work that could have been done that summer, it didn't have to be a massively busy one, but doing stuff like I don't know, moving on Jack Wilshire and just saying, do you know what, you're injured too much, see you later, 
getting rid of him at a good or price. Or staggering contract renegotiations, restructuring contracts so they don't yeah. all come into their last year in the same damn summer. <laughs> yeah, it, you know, we, we we really wasted that summer and it, it kind of caught up with us a bit last summer and it looks like this summer there's, there's still just a bit of a hangover. And to be honest with you, I, I really can see it being the same story of us going to like Stoke and Liverpool in August. I'm completely unsure of what's happening and that having an effect um, because Can't wait. that's just what, <laughs> that's what always happens and this is an even this is probably the busiest summer that we've ever had so um, you know may, maybe some of those backroom appointments that are coming in and you know the lawyer that's come in to work on contracts and stuff maybe that can do some of it but you know we've seen this cycle before haven't we we can't do anything at the moment because the players are on holiday then they come back to pre-season training and we go on tour and we can't do anything because we're on tour. And then we come back and it's like, oh, we can't do anything because there's a game next week and we're, we're focusing on that. And, you know, it's, it's difficult to have faith that this, you know, that that cycle is going to change this summer, unfortunately. Yeah, and, and once again, Clive is all up in our all up in our back channel here saying sell them all. And he reminds me, we, did, we didn't even get to your pet topic, Tim. I'm so sorry we didn't even talk about Chesney. We didn't even talk about it. Do you want a, a quick word on the fact that we can't seem to get value for any players? We're Pickford's going to go for thirty million, and we're giving Chesney away for a coupon to a Subway sandwich. Like, I mean, is, is there is there any yeah. reason why we're selling Colombian national team keepers for for Metro tickets and and Ches? I mean, what the fuck is going on? What are we doing, Tim? It's, well, it's because, it's because they're all in the last year of their contract. That's the thing, because we've held them to the point, basically we've squeezed them absolutely dry, even to the point where they're of no real value to us, and we've awesome. let them go to one year. So Great. Great that, work, Arsenal. What... Bravo. Paul, I will let you have the last word on this. Um, it's It's transfer deadline day. Are we gripping our phones so tightly that the indentation is in our fingers hoping to see some deals get finalized or is the business done such that we are having a nice comfy preseason and and the most prepared team in the in the league for the start of the season or something in the middle oh i think there's a really good chance that despite the club's best intentions that this is one that comes down to deadline day because that they can't go into the season without making the moves that are needed um, in other years, I think Arson always felt he was still in, you know, this year or the next year, this year or the next year. And I think the only good thing that came out of last year was the very clear message that it's now year by year that the relationship between the fans and the club and the manager and Ivan and the manager and Stan and Ivan and Stan and Wenger are such that everybody's kind of pissed off about things at the moment. And there, there just isn't that extra season. So the shit's got to get done this summer, I believe. As it, as it really had to last year and the year before, it's just people gave themselves <laughs> the illusion they it's, had another so season. So like last year and the year before, it may well not happen. Look, I mean, the crazy no, no, thing will. is, look, I, it's easy to be frustrated right now, Paul, and I, I'm really good at that. But... um 
you look at the players that could be... I mean, United are going to go big for a striker. Really big for someone. Yeah. Which could be the last straw for Martial, who turns in a transfer request. You see, yep. I mean, Madrid, Murata, Bale, and Ronaldo are all candidates to potentially be moved on from, from Madrid, as is James Rodriguez. I mean, you look at... Uh, Aubameyang, who wants out of Dortmund so he can cash in once big time before his, his prime uh, is over. What he really wants is Real Madrid, and if Mbappe goes there, then yeah, uh, he's available. Um, you know, to me, there's at, at the moment, it only looks like there's one place Alexis can go, and that's City. Um, Not Bayern? You just think because of the wages no, it's over? No, the vibe's, the vibe's all wrong with Bayern. I mean, they're basically saying they're out of the game. Well, here's the reason uh, to spend big on an Mbappe or you know whoever it is, 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 is if you can somehow convince Alexis and Ozil to resign by virtue of who you sign, it's worth yeah. 200 million pounds at that point. Um, sure. But it's just interesting but because... My point with, yeah, go my ahead. My point with Alexis is he's going to have to go somewhere. I, I don't see at the moment it being anywhere more than City. We have a much more cordial relationship with City than with any of the other big teams. Uh, Arson and Pep, and they've got two strikers who are both very, very interesting. Ian Acho would be a fantastic um, acquisition, by the way. I mean, Aguero's hamstring snap just mentioning the word Arsenal to him, but, you know, you're never yeah, going to see a swap deal. Still Those plays, just don't happen. For all, for all the talk about Aguero, he still plays a lot. Yeah, um, and he's so, still fucking fantastic. And when he comes back, unlike, say, Ramsey or Wilshire, you don't have to wait eight games for him to, to turn into a killer again. He, if he comes back and he plays 60 minutes, he comes back as a 60-minute killer. Yeah, but, so but it's, there's, it's so much there activity everywhere. to be done yeah. at the end of the season. Yeah. So, but that, that's not how you want to do it. But I could see us, to your question, will we be biting our fingernails? We could be. Um, but I think the City deal, if we're going to do something with City, I think that can be done before the end of the season. If that's where, if we're not going to let Alexis go into his final year and we want value from him. Fucking hell, and, if we sell Alexis to City, I'm going to cliff myself. <laughs> I know, but he's got to go somewhere. Uh, they just signed. Think, where does he Where does he even play there? Good Christ, how much attacking talent does Pep need? Go ahead, Clive. More. more. I was going to say, I think it's important that the Premier League stays quite calm, actually, because the prices that are flying around are just not sustainable for the Premier League as a whole. And I heard today that I think Gilfie Sigurdsson could go to Leicester for forty million. Now that's what they're asking for. Swansea. But we're going to get fifteen million for Theo, so we've it's really worked thing. that well. So <laughs> it just—I just—I just find it's, it's just silly, right? So why would you don't need to react to that? You just need to just sit on your hands, wait till people. Stop smoking what they're smoking and get some reasonable price points. And once that happens, things will start moving. You know, so uh, I think we just, the Premier League as a whole has got to be really quite calm, not get ripped off by its European counterparts. People just naming the price and doubling it. And for internal teams in their own country, there's a different price. We ha I think it's important as a league we stay calm. But it's difficult when Chelsea and City are just revving up to go, right? So um, I, I'm, I'm, I don't fret. Players come and go all the time. Just wait and see. My prediction? Fabregas on deadline day. Bring it on. <laughs> I mean, come on. No? Nobody's in? I'm in. I'm all the way in. I'm all the way in that seam of talent. Um, look, I, you start to throw out names of, of players that very legitimately could move. Diego Costa, Lukaku, Alexis, Ozil, Iheanacho, Kunaguero, uh, Obama Yang, Ronaldo, Bale, Murata, 
Mbappe, I mean, Lamar, Keita, you go on and on and on and on, and Lacazette, there's still a lot of business that's going to be done. You just wonder how long Arson's going to be willing to hold on to his cards. Um, because the one thing we do know is that even good business done too late can ruin your season before it starts. So we shall see. That's enough of that. Next, uh, next week, we'll do a two-and-a-half-hour podcast on how XG is derived to get back to our on-brand uh, <laughs> content. So I want to thank uh, all of these clickbait masters for joining me today. Uh, Tim, you can find him on Twitter, at Stoberto. Thanks, Tim. Pleasure. Welcome back. Uh, Paul, you can find him on Twitter or in a Walmart parking lot, at Posin in my pants. Thanks, Paz. A clickbait master. I don't like the sound of that. Or a master, a click master baiter? <laughs> Bait. <laughs> Who knows what you're doing in the parking lot. And, of course, the man with the velvet voice himself is Clive. You can find him on Twitter at ClivePAFC. Thank you, Clive. Enjoyed it. Thank you. The shrieking American maniac is Elliot Smith. You can block him on Twitter at Yankee Gunner. Thanks so much for listening. Give us a five-star review. Write nasty stuff in the comments. Or reach out to us on Twitter or in the comments section and tell us what you think we got wrong. uh, And, if anything, what we got right. We'll see. It'll all be determined on August 32nd. Right, Clive? Yeah. Something like that. Something like that. Okay. All right. We'll be back when when Mbappe signs with an Mbappe special and the two hour special on how XG is derived. Cheers. We'll talk to you then.